Cue motivational music. Hello and welcome to the podcast. My name's Dean and I'm a designer on a quest. A quest to further understand the creative industry and learn as much as this noggin will hold. Join me as I share my discoveries and tap into the minds of some of the most well-respected creatives in the world. This is my creative therapy. Hello and welcome to the second episode of Creative Therapy. Uh, Today I'm joined by Chris Doe, who is an Emmy Award winning director. He's a designer, strategist and an educator. He's the chief strategist and the CEO of Blind. Uh, Blind has been a pioneer in the motion design field and has made hundreds of award winning commercials, music videos, broadcast promos that combine design, typography, animation, live action and visual effects for screens of uh, clients of all sizes. He is the producer of The School and he is the founder of The Future, which is spelled F-U-T-U-R. You can find out more about that at www.thefuture.com. And that is an educational platform that teaches the business of design to creative thinkers. Whereabouts are you in the world now then? I'm in the Pacific Palisades, which is on the west coast of California, Southern Cal. Nice. That sounds beautiful. I want to tell you where, where I'm are you? from. <laughs> I'm from the uh, the southwest of England. Okay. So uh, it's around about three hours south, four hours south of London. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the weather in comparison to where you are now is probably ridiculously <laughs> different <laughs> you know it's probably the same it's overcast it's a little drizzly it's a little chilly <laughs> well that makes me feel a little bit better <laughs> um so your educational platform the future looks like it has so many different ways creatives can learn about the industry can you tell us a bit more about that and how it started yeah so about four and a half five years ago a buddy of mine jose caballero he wanted me to get on YouTube and make videos with him as a means to help promote and build awareness around a product we're developing called Core. And I just thought this is the dumbest idea because I didn't want to go on YouTube because in my mind at that point, and I was being a little snobby about it, it's like YouTube's for a bunch of amateurs, people who were always like, what is that called? Um, ha- near wells, like they're about to do well in their life, but then okay, they get yeah. on YouTube yeah near to do well and i just didn't want to do it i thought if i get on camera i'm going to say things that's going to alienate peers yeah potential freelancers and clients and i had a lot to risk but despite all that stuff he's like let's just do it and we did it and this thing started to take off and it's not an overnight sensation by any stretch it took a while for us to build an audience and now it's the thing that i feel like is my life's work i love teaching i've been teaching at art center for over 15 years and at Otis as well. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to do it in a way that would reach more people instead of the 10 to 20 students I would have in my class. So creating content for YouTube has been what I think has been waiting for me to figure it out. And, and now this is what we do. We have over 800 videos on our YouTube channel. Our audience has grown to more than 450,000 subscribers and growing every single day. Yeah. And this is what I do. And this is how I sustain myself and how I've transitioned my entire team from being a creative service company to a product and and community channel Mm. or forum, I should say. Yeah. Do you think people are more inclined to 
use an online educational platform than they are to use like the traditional uh, the traditional methods? I think those are two totally different audiences. I think mm. the people who can afford twenty to twenty-two thousand dollars a semester, at least in the United States, that's what it costs to go to a private art school. If you have the means, then that's probably how you would get your education. Mm -hmm. So there's all that leaves a lot of people kind of left behind. And so that's why we create the channel because there are ways that you can supplement your existing education that you're getting or not getting. And also just as a more affordable means to figure out how to be a creative human being in the 21st century and not be stuck with a lot of debt at the end. I know what you mean. I was speaking with a, uh, someone on the show a couple of days ago about education mm -hmm. and the, the pros and cons. And one off point topic that came up was the struggles professionals have in the industry and the worry that things are moving too quick for them to get a hold of. Yeah. It is, and it's real because things are developing so fast and they're changing and we're all changing how we interact. I mean, if you think about where you were just 10 years ago, five years ago, two years ago, how much time are you spending on your mobile device today? Is it is it the first thing you see and potentially the last thing you see every single day? And so to understand how we consume content, how we communicate with each other, how we build community and kinship, it's all changing very fast. So there is no program that I'm aware of in, in terms of an educational program that can adapt to things that are moving that fast. And you have to give up control. You have to say, you know what? This semester, we're gonna talk about it, and this is what we know today. Next semester, it could be a whole different program, and we're gonna keep adapting. And so when you have structured programs in, in institutions, it's very hard for them to adapt, and I totally understand, because they have to go through a certain approval process, and they have to actually be that hungry to know it. And, and I'll just tell you this, we know this, our, our brain operates under cruise control default mode, or it works under emergency break mode. And, and when you're inside an institution, a bubble, if you will, then you're gonna take the path of least resistance. You're gonna go into default mode, which is, I've always taught design this way, I've always taught communication this way, and I will always teach it this way. Because to do it in a different way means you have a lot of work to do. You yourself have to immerse yourself in the culture of what's going on in the digital age. And that's not an easy thing to do. It's not easy for me. This is what I do every day. It, yeah, and it, it, it's crazy. And it's a really interesting subject. Um, and it's, it's kind of like, I guess, with, with you and other sort of creative influencers who are doing a similar thing, I guess for creatives wanting to grow into a similar uh, role, you know, the proof is in the pudding with, with you guys because not only are you showing that your you know your your creative skills are there but you also understand how to showcase them and by showcasing mm -hmm. i mean using the right formats and and really getting the message across to the people who who want to see it and are influenced by that type of stuff does that make yeah. sense yeah yeah so but i was i was it was weird i was speaking to a friend yesterday and we were talking about meme pages Mm -hmm. like meme pages on Instagram. And I was saying mm -hmm. to him, ah, oh, do you remember three years ago when we were talking about we should make a meme page and see how big it gets? And then it's sort of that idea quickly passed because we realized how saturated the, the sort of meme market is. Mm -hmm. And and then we sort of, we spoke again the other day and we were thinking, oh, do you remember back to that conversation we had where we were talking about memes? Imagine if we had stuck with it and posted every day 
and really engaged with with our audience you know we could be on a ridiculous amount of followers and right have the engagement that we wanted but i guess consistency in in this world is is one of the keys in, in making it so successful mm -hmm. um, it is and you know you're right so this is the thing that i've learned myself and it's a painful lesson to learn when when new things emerge and you have that instinct to go for it you got to just do it and there's a lot of voices inside your head. They say, this won't work. This is stupid. This is passing. Don't worry about it. Stick to what you know. It's never worked before. So why would it work now? Those kinds of things. And I'll tell you, in the 90s, when I started my company in 1995, my older brother, who's four years older than me, he's in the Silicon Valley tech space, right? He said, hey, can you think of some names you want to register for .com? I'm like, why would I do that? He's like, you know what? Because somebody will want that name later and we can sell it to them. I'm like, what's that gonna do? It's not gonna make us $500, that's silly. Look, there I am, right? And then he tells me, there's this company called eBay, maybe we should invest. I'm like, ah, eBay, Ishmay, whatever. And there's this company called Amazon. I'm like, oh my God, they just sell books online. So there's all these things. So if, you're, if you have an instinct, if you have an idea, just go for it. What's it gonna really cost you? Absolutely. So be, have the courage to try, have the courage to suck. I think that's the the biggest thing, isn't it? I think people are afraid of failure and mm -hmm. it's almost like they're getting into it for the wrong reasons to begin with. I think if there's passion behind it and it's something that you definitely want to do, then you know, you don't feel as though it's a chore and you don't feel like when you're putting that post up on Instagram, you're going to work, you're doing it because it's what you genuinely love. So when you have these influencers who say, you know, I want to be this, I want to be that. So they go out and take a picture of themselves and uh, put a filter on it and then change their bio to model. Yeah, I think there are a lot of people who have this delusion that if they take a picture of themselves, they're going to be a model. If they go and eat a couple of cool restaurants, that they're going to be a food critic. And what we then realize is the people who are very passionate about it, who live and die this kind of stuff, they're the ones who succeed. So while you're phoning it in, they're, kill, they're killing it and you're not going to be able to compete with them. So you, gotta, you have to find this motivation from a true place and understand what's your purpose. Why do you want to do this thing? Yeah, no, that's so true. Um, I just want to quickly go back to mm -hmm. your other project that you've got, which is Blind. Can you tell us yeah. a bit about that? The work that you've got on, on your website is, is nuts. Thank you. So, so Blind was founded in 1995 in December, and that's a few months after I graduated. And I studied graphic design and packaging, but what happened to me right before I graduated was I took an animation class in After Effects, and that changed the entire trajectory of my life and my career. I, I got into animation, I was thinking, man, I didn't know this was even a thing that designers were allowed to do, that we have such amazing tools to communicate and tell little stories over time. And I got into that and I met people in the industry and I learned a lot from working with them for them in a very brief amount of time that that became the foundation, the core of what it is that we do. And so over the years, we wound up working with some of the biggest ad agencies in the world with on some of the biggest brands. And for the last 23 years, that's what we've been doing. So we've worked on commercials for, for Sony PlayStation, for Xbox, League of Legends, some car companies, the list goes on and on. That's awesome. So what, what's the plans for the future then? Is it to just carry on doing what you're doing and grow both future and blind at the same time? To be honest, if I had my way, and I think I'm gonna have my way, 
is I would never do another <laughs> client project again. What would be your dream job? Like if if you had to do one thing, and mm -hmm. I've got to say, if I had your if I had your skills, my full time job, if I could make it my full time job, would be to design skateboards. <laughs> That's a good job to have, my friend. Yeah, because some of the some of the skateboards that you've got on Bayhands are, are awesome. Thank and you. I was thinking that I was thinking I had a, I had a friend who used to do do some work for Element, mm -hmm. um, the brand. And they have good designs. It, yeah, really nice. He didn't do any of the, the boards mm -hmm. or anything like that. He did some of the clothing. Mm -hmm. um, but that would be awesome, wouldn't it? Yeah. Well, my That'd dream job, my dream job to answer your question is I'm doing it right now. What I'm doing nice. is awesome. I'm teaching, I'm writing, I'm producing, I'm traveling the world and meeting people and trying to help them get to where they want to go. I feel like, I think this is something that former President Obama had said, like, when you are successful, it's your obligation to send the elevator back down. And I feel like I've been very fortunate for a number of different reasons to be exactly where I am today. And I feel like I've accomplished what I wanted to do from a career point of view and a financial point of view. And now I just want to help others. Now, here's the irony. I'll give you some numbers, okay? Yeah, on, on average, in the last 23 years, the we've built around four to five million dollars annually as blind as a company we've gone higher wow. and we've gone lower that's for sure but as of last year the future as a company itself has earned or gross 1.8 million dollars and we're growing 300 percent every single year so this year if it, if everything goes according to plan we'll have billed four and a half million dollars now it took wow. us four years to get here and if we continue our growth curve, which I expect us to, 300% growth, in 2020, we'll do $12 million. And so in five years of running a business, we're going to eclipse something that took me 23 years to build. And I get to do stuff that helps other people instead of being a corporate person, uh, what Ash Thorpe describes as an art prostitute. Mm -hmm. I get to help people. <laughs> This is just how I make my money and my living now. And so that's why I said at the beginning of our conversation, I have a lot of energy and have a ton of sleep because I get to just do whatever I want whenever I want. That's awesome. And I get to help people, which is very fulfilling. So I'm guessing at Blind, it's a sort of eight, a standard agency setup where you've got yourself, then you've got the, mm -hmm. the creative director, then creative chief officer and all the seniors yep. midweights juniors is it more sort of is it so it's, is it more animation based the the studio itself that, that's it our is. those are our roots is is an, design and animation production we got okay. in the door through typography doing animated titles for car commercials and then end tags the little three second buttons that happen at the end of each commercial and it grew mm -hmm. into doing full animation and then we incorporated live action and the cg and so now we're known as just a company who has creative ideas that can make them move. And it can involve everything from live action plates to visual effects and, and animated type. That's one part of our business. The other part of our business is we do brand design consultancy. So there are some clients who don't want or can't afford to work with an agency, like an ad agency. So they work with us directly. Mm -hmm. So in that case, yeah. we're developing the strategy, the creative brief, the messaging. So we write the copy, we come up with the imagery, we develop the name, the website, the motion graphics pieces. So it's all inclusive. It's, it's a much bigger thing that we're solving now. That's awesome.
That's so good. Yeah, I'm a bit cautious of your time and how much you've got of it to spare. I just wanted to ask about the book that you have on Kickstarter, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, which looks like mm-hmm. it's exceeded expectations. It's called A Pocket Full of Dough. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a bit about that? Well, my last name is Doe, so it's it's pocket full of dough. Like it's a, it's mm-hmm. just a play on words, right? So it's a pocket-sized book, theor- theoretically, and it's also a play on like you got a lot of money in your pocket, and so I like that, that interplay. Nice. Now that's cool. He- here's the thing: is for for a while now, I've been starting to write, and I never fashioned myself as a writer in my own head, but I've been writing little things here and there and people seem to connect with the material. So it's resonating with them. Mm-hmm. And so naturally they're, they're, they say, Oh, Chris, you need to write a book. You need to write a book. But then I look at the books that I respect and love. And I was thinking, I don't have time to do this. This is how, how am I going to compete against this thing? And oftentimes people ask you to do stuff that it's just words, right? Until mm-hmm. you're like, putting it out there and there's an opportunity then for take to take action to support you or to buy the book you never know so we kind of just went on a, on a on a lark here and just said you know what let's just create a kickstarter thing let's create a few mock-ups describe to people what it is that i want to do and see if they'll support us and we set the goal of raising twenty five thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah and we hit that pretty quickly and then it was like i wonder if we can get a 50k <laughs> then we hit that pretty quickly and i was like shoot what's going on here and it started to sell out all the support phases. We didn't think that through very clearly or carefully because I think we could have raised even more money. Mm-hmm. And so it wound up closing a little north of $75,000, wow. which is three times as much as what we were gunning for. So this has been fantastic. So this is where you know you've created good things in the world because this is an act of reciprocity that why do anybody need to buy a book from me? They don't because I try to give as much information away for free. Mm-hmm. And so this is where they cross over from being an observer to a fan to a true fan, that they're willing to support what it is that we're doing in any which way that we ask them to that makes sense for them. So it's been overwhelming in terms of the support. And now I got to write a book. So <laughs> that's the other challenge. That's going to be the most time consuming thing. It can be. But the most enjoyable. It seems on me. But the most rewarding. <laughs> so, I'll let you know at the end of the process how rewarding <laughs> that was. So when's the, um, when's the, the due date? When, when are you expecting to release uh, it? Oh, my God. Now you it? sound like my producer. Greg's on <laughs> me right now. So Give me a date. Give plan. me a date. Right, right. So I've been traveling, so it's been very difficult for me to write while I'm traveling because I'm just my, – my brain is melting around what time of day it is mm-hmm. even, and my body's not getting a lot of sleep. Yeah. And I'm – stressing out over the presentations that I have to give. Now that I'm back in the home base, I plan to dedicate weekends and a lot of hours every single day to write this book. And I think it'll get done pretty soon. So my, my goal is to finish the writing and, and have a first draft done within a month. Wow. And, and a designer is going to be working on the layout simultaneously. So we'll see how this goes. So, yeah. so will you be sort of, if you're on the way to a meeting, are you going to be mm-hmm. working on the book during, during that commute? And then, you know, you might be in the meeting and you're thinking, ah, this meeting's boring as hell. Just get on my phone quick, (laughs) drop a quick email. Like, yeah, and then just come up with some ideas. Yeah, I think that would probably happen if I took meetings, but I don't take meetings. The cool thing about having a product-based business is, and theoretically working right now, products are being sold and bought and consumed, and Mm -hmm. I'm just sitting here talking to you. So I don't really do meetings anymore. I haven't done client meetings in a really, really long time. It's probably been over a year. Wow. So Yeah, so really I have a lot of free time. That's awesome to do this sort yeah. of stuff and design yeah. cool skateboards. 
So do you, that's right. Do you, do, you, do you skateboard then? I used to, yeah. and I have a bunch of skateboards, and I'm a little tempted to get on a skateboard, but just keep in mind, like, I'm 47 years old. If I fall, <laughs> I'm not getting back up. It's one of those commercials on America, oh, you know, man. I fall and I can't get up. It's savage, and there's man. A, yeah, there's a couple young guys that work for me, and they're skateboarding in, the, in our garage because it's an awesome garage to skate in. The concrete's super smooth. Oof. And I was like, oh, where's my shoes? I want to get on this, and I want to see if I can still jump over that skateboard, you know, pop an ollie over it. But I don't, I don't know when I'm going to do that. I bought a skateboard last year. Mm -hmm. It was so funny because a friend at work, he, uh, he was saying, oh, if you get a skateboard, I'll get a skateboard. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Didn't think anything of it. Didn't think he was going to mm -hmm. go ahead and buy a skateboard. And he called me over and he was like, look, this is the board I've just bought. So you need to buy one now. And mm -hmm. I was like, oh, man. So I bought a skateboard and we went out for a skate. And all I kept thinking about was, if I fall over, land on my wrist, and break it, right? I'm out of right. work for six weeks. Yes, and it's it's sad because if you go back ten years or fifteen years when mm -hmm. I used to skateboard when I was younger, you were like, just didn't have a care in the world. I, I, in fact, right. I probably wanted to break my wrist so I didn't have to go to school. <laughs> it's so yeah, weird. The priorities change, you know. Absolutely, man. But um, yeah. So for people listening who want to get into the industry. Mm -hmm. Is there any advice you could give them? And are there any roadblocks to watch out for? Yeah, I would ask them first, what industry are you trying to get into? And to see how, what, what are the trends for that industry? Is it growing or is it shrinking? Is it contracting? And yeah. to be a little bit smarter about something just because you love it doesn't mean there's going to be a career for you in it. And you can ask yourself too, what is it that you really want from being in this industry? Is it just creative fulfillment? Is it to sustain yourself? Is it to help your parents or to support your family? What is it? What's driving you to get into this industry? And are you really passionate about it? So what we want to do is we want to align two parts. We want to align what it is that we love and we're passionate about, what we're good at, and what mm -hmm. is a growing industry. And what we want to do is find that sweet spot in the middle. Because if you do things that you're good at, but doesn't pay well, you're going to be happy, but you're going to be poor, right? And then yeah. you keep going through those different iterations. And if it pays well, but you're not passionate about it, you'll be rich, but bored. And so you got to mm -hmm. find that sweet spot right in the middle where all those things are in alignment. And it just takes a minute to think, think that through. So right now, the hot industries are anything relating to do with software. So UX, UI, and, and also even fake UI is hot. I What's fake you, UI? Yeah, fake UI. If you watch those Hollywood films, there's always these interfaces that are moving on the screen. People are touching things in, in space. That's called fake UI. It doesn't really do anything. Like when okay. Iron Man puts his hand through the screen and he twists something and something ah, else moves. I'm with you. That's yeah, called yeah. fake UI, F-U-I. Ah, okay. yeah. yeah, yeah. So anything to do with that, because that's where we're going as, as a society. I mean, software's eating up the world, so yeah, it behooves yeah. you to kind of be in that space. Well, that fake UI stuff, that almost lends itself to augmented reality a little bit later down yeah. the line. 100%. So if, 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 you, if you become a master mm -hmm. in, in fake UI and there's an, you know, an augmented reality company who's looking for an artist to come up with some visuals, then you're going to be the first person he calls. Yeah, absolutely. And there's several people I know, friends of mine, that have done really well for themselves working in the entertainment space, just making fictional interfaces. And they, they usually look really great, unlike real interfaces, because you get to do whatever you want and it just needs to look good, right? 
It needs totally. to create the illusion that it's real, but it doesn't need to actually function at all. That sounds cool. Yeah. That sounds really good. Awesome. Okay, I just want to finish on mm -hmm. a couple of questions, and it's 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 a little bit like a game. Okay. So I've got some quick fire, rapid right. questions. Put my thinking cap on. Would you rather fight one horse-sized duck or one hundred duck-sized horses? <laughs> one hundred uh, duck-sized horses. I can take those on. Cool. How would you sell hot cocoa in Florida? Serve it over and maybe mix it with ice cream. Nice. How would you rate your memory? Eight. Cool. How would you rate your memory? <laughs> Six. <laughs> right. Who would win in a fight between Spider-Man and Batman? Spider-Man. I agree. What would you do if you found a penguin in the freezer? <laughs> I would take a picture of it. Nice. Last one. Finish the question. When I dance, I look like... I'm drowning. Awesome. And that's it. All right. <laughs> We're both winners. We're both winners. I feel like Yay. I know more about you than I do me. <laughs> there were some great, great answers. Okay, well, thank you so much for your time, Chris. Mm -hmm. I'm, I much appreciate it. Um, it's an absolute honor to have you on, and I wish you the best in everything you do. And fingers crossed we can do this again sometime. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Let me know if you have other questions or if there's a follow-up thing that you want to do. Absolutely. That sounds great. Thank you so much, Chris. Take it easy. Okay. Have, a, have a good evening or morning or night, whatever it is over there. Yeah, it's morning here, so thank you very much. Have a great day. Take it easy. Okay, you too. Cheers. Take care. Bye.